is, after all these years, I still look back with wonder. Welcome back, Wonderlings. I hope you're ready for the holiday weekend. Wow, the 4th of July. How did we get here? Already halfway done with 2017? Anybody got any plans? Me? Not so much. Just hanging around the home. Maybe grilling, depending on the weather. Maybe check out the fireworks on TV. And getting the house cleaned up for our upcoming trip. On Monday, my girl... Quinn, my kitty cat, just celebrated her fourth birthday on Monday. You can see her picture on face on the Facebook page and Instagram. Other than that, I've just been working on my other podcasts, getting ready to debut Dancing on Bandstand and American Dreams podcast later this coming week or next week. And I do have the introduction episode up, which I do see that some listeners have already played. I hope you liked it. My goal is to have the brand new, <clears throat> excuse me, the brand new episode debut, hopefully on, I like it to go on the 4th of July. I like it to be up on Tuesday in honor of the 4th of July because it's American Dreams. Other than that, blah, 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 sorry, <laughs> I got to give a shout out to Joey Garcia 38 for getting the trivia question correct. For Season 2, Episode 6, Pottery Will Get You Nowhere, the answer was Pepsi. Mm. Um, also, today is Thursday. It's not Friday. I'm doing this episode today because tomorrow i got a lot of things to do. i got to get groceries. i got to pick up my new prescription sunglasses and then, of course, get my bunny London some more food. So I'm not going to have a whole lot of time. Plus, I also want to get out another episode of Tea Time with Mr. Belvedere, which I can upload. I can upload for you if you guys want to hear another episode. So I can upload that on the Wonder Your SoundCloud page for your listening pleasure. Also, you guys can locate it on the SoundCloud page for Tea Time with Mr. Belvedere. So that one will be about uh, Wesley trying out for ballet in the episode season one episode three gotta dance so enough about mr belvedere this is a wonder years podcast let's get on with the episode season two episode six pottery will get you nowhere which aired on february 1st 1989 this is a Norma-centered episode. As Kevin takes a back seat, Norma decides to take a pottery class, or ceramics class, but not everyone in the Arnold household is happy about it. To begin this episode, we see Kevin sitting on the couch watching TV along with Karen and Wayne as, his eyes, as he eyes his parents nearby talking. Older Kevin tells us, he never heard his parents use the word relationship in all the years that he's known them. Words like indigestion, taxes, and damn, those were words he was familiar with. At the dinner table the next night, Kevin defines his parents' relationship to us, how his mom expected his dad to be a good man, honest, loyal, a good provider, hopefully possessed of good table manners. Also, his Dad expected his mom to be a good woman, 
honest, loyal, a good mother, and hopefully a good cook, as we see Jack ask Norma what the food is that he's about to consume, and she tells him it's tuna tetrazzini. He takes a bite and smiles appreciatively at her, like, okay, this one's a winner, I like it. Proving once again that Norma is a world-class cook. I would definitely want her cook. I, I would eat her food. If she cooked for me, I would eat it because she's a master She's a master cook. Gordon Ramsay would love her food. She would win hands down. In the next scene, we see Kevin sitting down in a paint and tile store while his parents look over floor and... I think it's just like floor tile that they're not looking at wallpaper patterns. Kevin tells us how his parents might not know much about relationships, but they know a lot about marriage, referring to making a joint decision. His mom would choose what she liked. His dad would then offer his choice. Then they both just decide on this heinous pea green color tile. Ew, ew, ew. Oh, oh there's my timer. I think my lunch is done. I'll be right back. Alright guys, I'm back. Had my lunch. It was good. French bread, Red Baron pizza. Pretty yummy. I put uh, extra shredded mozzarella on there. So Now I'm back. I got my ice mountain bottled water. So no burping. There will be no burping. If there is, I'll turn away from the mic. Anyway, let's get back into this. So, yeah, Norma and he, like, finally decided, like, ah, here's a heinous green tile color. Let's just go with this. I'm like, yuck, no, put it back. Norma, no, put it back. Ew. Is that, if that's floor tile, that's going to be gross. Not to mention light colors. They show all the dirt. Jack had held up one that was kind of like a brownish color and before that, and then she had held up a reddish color, which I kind of liked. It was it had a really cool design on it. Like, those colors wouldn't be bad because they wouldn't show dirt too much. Kevin gives another example of his parents' marriage when it shows the family driving in a car, and Kevin tells us how his parents can disagree with each other without outright contradicting each other. Norma's looking at the map as Jack is driving on what looks to be a road out in Nowheresville. She tells him they missed 29. I'm guessing that was the exit or the road they were supposed to turn on. Jack tells her he's staying on 17 until they reach Abbotsville. I noticed that they're not wearing seatbelts. I looked up that a, a law was eventually passed in the late 1980s requiring drivers and passengers to wear a seatbelt while they operate a vehicle drive. They continue to disagree about the roads 17 and 29 until Jack comes to a road at a comes to a stop at a road close sign reading dead end no entry. Damn, you know the internet might have been handy back then. If he got on his phone for directions, it would have redirected him to a different route. All the while this is going on, Wayne and Kevin are in the back seat being buttheads and beating on each other. Well, more like Odds are Kevin encroached on Wayne's invisible space, so he's like, oh, sorry, you crossed the line, I'm going to beat you now. I'm sorry, Wayne, but when there are three of you back there, you don't get personal space. There's no room for that kind of silliness and personal preference. You won't own your own space, well, I guess, 
You can ride in the trunk. If you want your own space that bad, you can ride in the trunk. I'm sure it'll be a tight fit, but you'll have your own space. Wayne keeps flicking Kevin's ear to goad him into fighting back. Wayne, do they- what? Why do they put Wayne next to Kevin? Just put Karen between them. Problem solved. Jack and Norma have no trouble joining forces as they turn around and yell at Wayne and Kevin to knock it off. Then we get a montage of Norma and Jack in the backyard of their home, kissing on the swing as the song When I Fall in Love plays in the background while someone films them. Aww, that's really cute. It must be fall as Jack and the kids grab a trash can full of fallen leaves and dump it on an unsuspecting Norma who's pruning the plants in her garden. She falls back laughing into the pile on the ground, and then we get a shot of the family goofing around with each other in the backyard. Adult Kevin comes on telling us how he never thought of his parents as being in love. But maybe that's the best thing for a kid. You never have to think about it. It's just always there. Like the ground you walk on. Now Kevin's in class learning about earthquakes and fault lines from his world history or, I believe, science teacher, Mr. Cantwell, played by Ben Stein, who gives a depressing presentation of the slideshow on the projector of the U.S. continents and how they will, over time, shift and reform over two year, billion years into what will likely resemble a wiener dog. Interesting interpretation there, Teach. Don't sugarcoat it for the kids. The bell rings, thus ending this morbid-as-hell outlook on the future of the world and leaving Paul shell-shocked as he just sits there as the other kids file out. Kevin gets ready to walk out, but sees Paul just sitting there asking, Why does our planet have to change? Well, Paul, why does anything in the world have to change? I like it the way it is, too. Evolution, global warming, climate change, pollution, erosion, El Nino, just pick one. Kevin assures Paul that by the time any of this happens, they'll both be long dead from old age. Then Paul freaks out saying he felt something. Did you feel that? I swear I felt something. And asks Kevin if he felt the same thing. Paul, I hate to break it to you, but you can't feel the separation of fault lines unless you're experiencing an earthquake or tremors, which I can assure you right now is all in your head. Just relax, have an ice cream sandwich to calm your nerves, and just chill out. Kevin, again, reassures Paul that this won't take place for billions of years and it's not like the world will turn upside down overnight or something. In the next scene, we are greeted to a close-up of the black-and-white television in the Arnold kitchen as Norma's preparing dinner. Her eyes are fixed on the screen as we see police riots and looting occurring. Kevin walks into the kitchen, and Norma stops him to get his opinion on the bowl that's holding the Swedish meatballs. He tells her it looks fine. Though, although, although slightly misshapen, looks like it has plenty of room to hold more meatballs than it has in there. She asks Wayne to take the bowl and put it on the table as he sets it near the edge. She then points the bowl out to Karen and has her place it in the center of the table. So basically Norma wants everyone's attention on the bowl and hopes that sh they'll ask her about it without her having to flat out say it. Like, hey, look at this bowl. You like it? 
I made that. Sadly, no one notices anything out of the ordinary. She asked Jack to lift the bowl so she can put a potholder. I actually had to look the word potholder up because I couldn't think of what the name for. I knew in the back of my mind I had heard the term before. But what is it? It's not an oven mitt. What's the opposite of an oven mitt that goes under a hot bowl or pot or something? So she puts the pot holder underneath it. So now she has brought everyone's attention to this bowl, to which they are still none the wiser. Jack's looking at Norma, probably hoping she, she'll give him a hint as to what she wants him to say. And she just looks at him like, yes, please ask me about the significance of this bowl. So I don't have to flat out have you ask me. It's just like a... a, 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 a. Kevin eyes the back and forth, kind of waiting for one of them to make the first move, and Jack finally asks, what? Norma asks if he notices anything different. So he says the obvious first thing he can think of, you changed your hair. She corrects him, saying, I changed my hair three weeks ago. Nice shot, Jack, but try again. <clears throat> Jack tries to save himself by saying, yeah, that... That's what I meant, <laughs> three weeks ago. No, the bowl, Norma tells him, pointing to it. Like, isn't it obvious? I'm talking about this bowl here. Jack's looking at the bowl like he doesn't know what to make of it. All the kids are impressed, and Karen asks how she made it. Norma tells everyone that she signed up for a ceramics course at the local college. Norma goes on to say how she never thought of herself doing that, but then an acquaintance of hers was signing up for the class saying it might be neat. So she decided to sign up for it as well. She didn't tell them at first because she didn't think she'd be any good. And then she starts backpedaling, her insecurity arising. And Wayne, of course, doesn't help matters when he asks, is it supposed to be lopsided? I would have smacked him upside the head for that comment. That's rude. Show your mom some respect. This was a big step for her, taking this course and trying something new. Kevin nudges Wayne, well-deserved. Karen adds how she thinks it's cool that it's lopsided. It's, like, more natural-looking. Look, just forget that it's lopsided. Can you please? Just, it's a bowl. It's just a bowl. Lopsided or not. She tells him of the process of putting clay on the potter's wheel. Why is this making me think of uh, the seen from Ghost with the song Unchained Melody. And you flip the switch, you just poke your fingers in, that sounds creepy, into it, and create a bowl, like magic. Well, you gotta shape it and all that fun stuff. I think I did something like that, but I can't remember. Maybe in junior high. Jack's getting restless like he's ready to eat, and Wayne jumps in telling her that her story sounds fascinating. Maybe they can talk about it over dinner? While this is going on, Kevin's eyes are glued on Jack, waiting and watching for him to make a move or say something as wave after wave of emotion crosses over Jack's face. Norma starts serving them, and Kevin tells us how Norma was waiting for Jack to say something about how he liked the bowl, but she didn't want to have to come right out and say it. And Jack knows she wants him to say something about the bowl, but for whatever reason, he wasn't saying it. Norma goes over to Jack, bowl in hand, and asks him what he thinks. He just smiles at the meatballs in the bowl and says, Smells great. Let's eat. I usually 
come right out and say it when I want Jeremy to say, notice something like, hey, I just got my hair cut. And he says, yeah, I noticed. Looks good. Or in his case, he says it looks yummy. Ugh. I've always been the badgering type when it comes to getting the response I want out of someone, mainly my husband. The next day, Kevin and Paul are studying about fault lines of the dining room table as we see another one of Norma's creations, which is supposed to be a candlestick holder, but in all honesty, looks more like a penis that just ejaculated on itself. Yeah, I know. I, I went there, didn't I? It is explicit content, people. You see it when you click on the podcast. At one point, Paul even asks what it is, and Kevin, coming to Norma's defense, tells him it's a candlestick holder. Paul is reading aloud from the book. Why? Can't they read silently, silently and then go over what they read? Or maybe Kevin would rather just have Paul read it so they can just answer the questions and get the assignment over with. This assignment is just feeding into Paul's paranoia, paranoia over fault lines. Kevin tells him all they have to do is name four major fault lines and they can be done with the assignment. Thank the Lord. Where is India going? Asia's not going to budge. It's crazy, Paul says more to himself than Kevin, who tells Paul to basically give it a rest and tells Paul to list some fault lines. And then Paul goes on another rant about fault lines being, there's millions of them. Kevin points out he doesn't care about millions of fault lines. They only need four. After this, I'd be like, Paul, that's it. If if I, I can't work with you anymore if you're going to be like this. Chill the fuck out. I beg you, please. Paul tells Kevin there could be a fault line running underneath Kevin's house that could go at any time. Yeah, and there could be a fault line going underneath your house, Paul, that could go at any time as well. Who cares? In the next scene during breakfast the next morning, we hear Jack asking where his cup is as we see him searching the cupboards but to no avail. Wayne, just to be a jerk, suggests that Kevin used it, and Kevin says, I did not. And Wayne tells him, I'm sorry, but in this situation, in a situation like this, we must explore all avenues. Speaking of Wayne, he's wearing a really heinous blue turtleneck. It just doesn't suit him to wear a turtleneck. It makes me think, what's he hiding? And do I really want to know? Jack turns to the doorway and yells for Norma, asking where his cup is. Kevin tells us that his dad had a special cup that he would use in the morning to drink his coffee. It has, has a picture of fish playing poker on it, and it said, Greetings from Independence, Missouri. He finally finds his cup after digging around underneath the kitchen sink. He asks, mainly to himself, what it was doing way back under the sink. Norma finally comes in, telling him she made him a new cup, explaining to him that his old one is stained and cracked. Stain really wouldn't be a problem. Cracked, on the other hand, is a risk because it can be a breeding ground for bacteria. Jack tells her he doesn't want to change. He likes his old cup. The, the look on, of hurt on her face speaks volumes. She didn't have to hide his cup, really. Just let him keep it and then offered the new cup for him to drink from on occasion. I like the cup. It's yellow with a lime green Charlie Brown shirt zigzag pattern running across it. I'd be honored if someone made me a cup like that. I drink from it all the time. I mean, it probably isn't dishwasher safe, but even so. 
It's something, when someone makes something for you, that's special. You know, they took the time. They created something from nothing. So, you know, I would treasure something like that. She tells him, it's fine if you don't want to use it. The cup, and sensing her feelings have been hurt, Jack tries to rectify the situation by telling her, No, I want to use the cup. Anything pretty much to avoid a confrontation with his wife, because we know that husbands aren't fans of that. Really, wives aren't fans of it either. Me, I do my best to avoid confrontations at all costs. <clears throat> Jack has a hold of the cup, and Norm is trying to pull it out of his hands, almost like a game of tug-of-war. As she says, I don't want you to use it if you don't like it. He finally yanks it out of her hands, and he tells her, I want to use it. And he goes to pour coffee into it. Kevin actually suggests to Jack that maybe he could use both cups. But Jack silences him with a look like, mind your own business, I can fight my own battles here. Where's my cup? Cut. I think Kevin used it. I did not. I'm sorry, but in a situation like this, we must explore all avenues. Norma, where's my cup? I guess I should mention here that my dad had this cup. It had a picture of fish playing poker on it, and it said, Greetings from Independence, Missouri. He loved that cup. What was it doing way back there? I made you a new one. See, I made the handle bigger so it's easier to use. Oh. Well, I just thought this one's all stained and chipped, and I wanted you to have a nice new cup for a change. But I don't want a change. I like my old cup. Fine. <laughs> if you don't like the cup I made, you don't have to use it. Oh, okay, all right, I'll use it. No, you don't have to. I don't want you to use it if you don't like it, Jack. I want to use it. You notice he didn't say he liked it. Norma that something on the table Norma made, I'm not sure what, is really nice. And Norma's still visibly upset from the altercation asks, yeah, you think so? Her voice cracking in pain. She sounds about ready to cry as she looks over at Jack. Yeah, I really do. I think it's really interesting, Karen tells her. Thank you, Karen, for offering your mom the, some kind words of encouragement. She really needs to hear those right now. Norma leans on the counter and tells Karen that Richard, her instructor, told her that the piece she did had a real sense of texturality. Jack grunts at the mention of Richard as he reads the paper. Norma goes on to sing Richard's praises as she explains to Karen how he had to teach a blind man how to work with pots, so Richard taught himself with his eyes closed. Interesting. Sounds like a great teacher who's willing to go to great lengths when it comes to students with disabilities. Karen tells Norma that's really beautiful, and at that, Jack burps without excusing himself, obviously getting unnerved at all this talk of this Richard guy. Next, Norma continues with how Richard is teaching himself to pot with his feet because there's a student who doesn't have hands. Wow, this Richard guy, I'm giving him props. He sounds like an awesome teacher. 
At this, Jack opens up the newspaper wider, thus knocking Norma's cup on the floor, which BT dubs, that cup was very near the edge of the table. As we watch it in slow motion, the cup falling, we see Jack's reaction, then Norma's, then Kevin's as his mouth is agape, and then Karen's, Karen's sudden realization as her head snaps too, and then obvious, oblivious Wayne as he just sits there slurping cereal from his spoon. Norma's sad expression, you would think Jack had kissed another woman in front of her. She's that broken inside. It's like, first you say, basically, it's like, you don't like it, and then you use it just to try to make a point, and then you knock it off the ink table, supposedly accidentally, and then it breaks. <coughs> Guys, I'm sorry if I coughed into the microphone. That night at the dinner table, you could hear a pin drop. The tension is so high in the room. I noticed the bread holder on the table and wonder if Norma made that as well. Kevin's trying to figure out why his parents are so angry and just wishing the silence would go away. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be at that dinner table either. If there's one thing that stresses me out the most, it's awkward silences and tense hostility between family members. I always try to diffuse the situation by being goofy, anything to draw the attention away or deflect it. Kevin tells us he wouldn't mind if they yelled at him, at least they'd be doing it together. So Kevin hits Wayne in the face with a hand, uh, spoonful of mashed potatoes. Jack looks at Kevin and asks, what the hell are you doing? Then Kevin looks eagerly at Norma, waiting for her to jump in, but to his surprise, she gets up from the table and walks away. Then Jack throws down his napkin, frustrated, and walks out of the kitchen into the living room. Out of nowhere, Wayne grabs Kevin by the collar, pulling him closer, and basically tells him he better not fall asleep if he knows what's good for him. Back in the kitchen, we see the mug has been glued back together the next day as Kevin explains to Jack, who's looking in the fridge for Pepsi, and Norma, who's at the kitchen sink, trying to mend the... Basically, Kevin's trying to mend the rift that has befallen his parents. But they're move, they've moved on to other matters as Jack lays into Norma about them being out of Pepsi. What did they have for Pepsi? Just the singular bottles? If that's the case, they should buy it in bulk with a family of five and there being three teenagers in the house. They'd be going through that like water. I mean, I'm more of a Diet Coke drinker. I will drink Pepsi, but I prefer Diet Coke. Jeremy prefers Diet Pepsi or Diet Mountain Dew. Which, while I was researching this, I noticed that, yes, Mountain Dew, I believe, was available back then. I'll have to keep an eye out if I see them drinking it. Jack asks Norma if she's going to the store, and she tells him she has no plans to. Then he asks where she's going. She tells him, well, I have to go to class. He's like, well, I thought you had class on Wednesdays. She says, well, I have to take my vase out of the kiln. And he asks if she's going to stop at the store on her way home. She tells him, well, if you want me to. And then he says, well, I didn't say I wanted you to, but if you're going to go out, you can get me some Pepsi. Did you hear that? Not us, not the family, me. Jack, you're being selfish. Think of the family. The kids want Pepsi, too. Do the kids drink Mountain Dew, you think? Maybe? I bet they drink Mountain Dew. I'll keep an eye out if they do. Like I said, I'll mention it if I see it. If you guys see it, let me know. Norma tells Jack if he wants Pepsi, she'll get him Pepsi. Instead, he tells her, forget it. I'll drink the Fresca. Which I believe is kind of like Sprite or 7-Up. 
He's being so hostile with her. She tells him she'll get his fucking Pepsi and he can choke on it too. No, she didn't say that. She did not say that. Just kidding, guys. <laughs> I'll get your fucking Pepsi. <laughs> and you can choke on it. <laughs> he says, fine, as he slams the refrigerator door shut and Norma heads out. The tension in the household is seriously becoming unbearable. I would not want to be in that house. In the living room, Kevin and Jack are watching a football game on TV, and Kevin's trying to distract him by talking football strategy as Jack suspiciously eyes another one of Norma's new ceramic creations. That's an ashtray with a lot of spots for cigarettes. He picks it up for a closer inspection and scoffs at it, commenting the absurdity of 200 people smoking in their house using the ashtray at once. Looking at this now, I see that the surface is flat across. A regular ashtray has like a, you know, a dip in it to catch the fallen ashes. This looks more like if you like put your cigarette in there and go to dip, you know, knock off the ashes, that they would just roll back and out of it because they have nowhere to really fall. Kevin doesn't have an answer for Jack's rhetorical questions as he asks, why can't she make an ashtray that looks like an ashtray? Kevin, in a last-ditch effort to make conversation, asked Jack if he knew India used to be an island. So it works now. <laughs> so if anyone wants to use it, it'll be right here. Unless it gets up and walks away. I thought I'd close with a joke. <laughs> How do we have any Pepsi? I know we're out. Um, oh. Drink diet. You going to the store? I haven't planned to. Where are you going? Class. Don't you have class on Wednesday? I have to take my face out of the kiln. Well, you gonna stop at the store on your way home? If you want me to. I didn't say I wanted you to. Okay. But if you're going to, you can get me some Pepsi. <laughs> you want Pepsi? I'll get you Pepsi. <laughs> nah, forget it. I'll drink the fresco. <laughs> no, I said I'll get you some Pepsi. Nah, forget it. I said I'll get it, okay? Okay. <laughs> seen my parents like this. The tension was becoming unbearable. We all felt it. Each in our own way. To the second period, it looks like he'll go all the way. However, he's tripped up at the 40 Fourth down. Time. Didn't go for it? <laughs> they were in the same situation last week. And they went for it, remember? Yeah, that was really stupid. Almost cost him the game. So do you think to go with him? A draw play. <laughs> I think that'll be the best shot, huh? <laughs> what is this? It's an ashtray. It doesn't look like an ashtray. Well, uh, I think um, these are where the cigarettes go and the ashes fall down here. See? First you think we're going to have 200 people smoking here at once? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Why can't she make an ashtray that looks like an ashtray? I don't know. I didn't know. I didn't really know why it mattered what her ashtray looked like. But something here obviously mattered. So, Dad. Hmm? Did you know that India used to be an island? 
Norma comes back with a vase that actually looks like a vase. Yay! Even Kevin is impressed, telling her it's really good. And Karen tells her it's beautiful as she holds it. Karen tells her mom she's turning into such a rebel and how she bets tomorrow we're going to come home and find you burning your bras. Karen! Norma exclaims, surprised. Karen goes so far as to suggest she make more and maybe sell them at the craft store out by the movie theater. Oh, that'd be kind of cool. Or like a flea market or something like that. Kind of, you know, make a little, a little pocket money. However, as soon as Jack walks into the kitchen, it's like all the happiness has been sucked out of the room and is replaced by tension again. When Jack demands to know where his Pepsi is and Norma tells him she forgot. Not surprised at this, he says, great. And she tells him not to get upset. And then he tells her, I'm not upset. It's just you said you were going to get Pepsi. If you weren't going to get Pepsi, I would have gotten it myself. Jack is being a real dick to her. I'd be like... Fuck your Pepsi. What is this really about? Because, you know, and, and Norma doesn't say, you know, like, okay, this clearly isn't about that. We need to discuss what what is the real issue here. Kevin heads out of the kitchen, and Karen does the same, but not before calling Jack a male chauvinist pig. Not helping Karen. Jack asks Norma where she thinks she's going. Where are you going? And she's like, well, I got to get the Pepsi while it's so fresh on my mind. He tells her not to bother that he will get it. He reaches across the counter and Norma quickly grabs her vase, telling him not to break it. And he tells her he wasn't going to. I'm not going to break it. Then she lets loose, telling him that just because he hates her pottery is no reason to smash it to pieces. He says he doesn't hate her pottery. This scene... When I was watching this last night while I was taking notes, it's really hard. Ew, it was really hard for me to watch. Because my dad always yelled. You know, especially, you know, when my mom was sick with lupus. I mean, he never yelled at her, that I can remember. Just my sister and I. It got worse as we got older and she was gone. That's probably why my sister moved out. Um... It's probably why I do my best to make sure Jeremy doesn't get angry because of what I had to deal with growing up. It always makes me sick to my stomach. And watching this scene is no different. As the kids are overhearing this from their spot on the couch, the anguish on their faces is palpable. She tells him since she started the class, he hasn't had one nice thing to say about it. And he tells her, so he's not a big fan of pottery. Sue him. She throws the fish cup back in his face about how attached he is to it, as much as Kevin was when he had to give up his blankie. He tells her he doesn't, I don't want to talk about it. And Norma tells him, well, I do. Trying her best to open the channels of communication with him. I know, guys, I know husbands and men don't like to talk about their feelings or what's going on. I can't speak for all husbands and wives, but it, when it comes to discussing hard topics... Communication is key to making a marriage work, at least one of the keys. No one's a fan of having to be the, the one to have to broach an uncomfortable topic. Me especially, whether it be regarding money or something else. I get my feelings out. I cannot, seriously, I cannot keep them bottled inside. Or they will literally eat me alive, it feels like. Norm is telling him it's not fair. Because he makes her feel like she's doing something wrong. And he tells her, I'm not making you feel anything. She sarcastically says, oh yeah, you've been a real Mr. Sunshine. And she tells him how her kids tell her 
her her pottery is nice as do her friends and teacher as well but all she hears from jack is where's the pepsi he turns to go as he tells her he doesn't have time for this and she tells him how she tried to do something nice for the family and he doesn't have the decency to sit that he likes it jack yells at her that this family does not need an ashtray for 200 people this family needs pepsi Jack, you've had enough Pepsi, okay? I think you need to cut back. It's making you hypersensitive. Norma, outraged, yells at Jack like, Do you even hear yourself? I want my Pepsi. I want my cup. You sound like an infant. Norma's her voice is cracking in anger. She really has to yell because she's normally so soft-spoken. Her voice is breaking a little. I mean, she really has to, really has to put it, a lot into it just to be able to get her voice up to a yelling standpoint. Jack practically screams in her face, not, do not ever, ever speak to me like that. In that tone of voice. And she tells him quietly, I'll speak to you however I feel. And he tells her, well, don't expect me to stand here and listen to it. As he goes and slams the back door. Oh, sorry, I had to put my foot in, guys. Uh, I'm losing a circulation. <laughs> I was kind of putting my feet up on a... Uh, thing here the kids are all the while subjected to this and norma just stands there alone in the kitchen defeated and then she retreats to her bedroom you made that mm -hmm. that's really nice i like that mom that is beautiful look at this yeah that one didn't turn out too bad did it no it's really good you know i didn't follow instructions on this one richard told us to keep our eyes closed and when he shut his I peeked. You are turning into such a rebel. I mean, tomorrow we're going to come home and find you burning your bras. Karen! You know, Mom, you should make more like this one. I mean, I bet you could sell them at the little craft store down by the movie theater. You really think so? Yeah. Did you get the Pepsi? Oh, I forgot. Great. Well, I'm sorry, I just forgot. I know. I'm sorry. Don't get upset. I'll just go get it now. I'm not upset. Just that you said you were going to get the Pepsi. If I'd known you weren't going to get the Pepsi, I would have gotten it myself. I mean, you shouldn't say you're going to get Pepsi for someone if you're just going to forget to get it. Oh, I see. I'm supposed to know when I'm going to forget something. Sure. I knew you were going to forget. Time to check the score on the old ball game. There really wasn't much I could add to the conversation. You know, Dad, sometimes you could be such a male chauvinist pig. Karen, on the other hand, somehow knew just the right thing to say. Where are you going? Better get your Pepsi while it's still fresh on my mind. Don't bother. I'll get it. No, that's okay, Jack. I'll get it. I said I'll get it. Don't break it! I'm not going to break it, Norma. Look, just because you hate my pottery, no reason to smash it to pieces. I don't hate your pottery. Notice he didn't say he liked it. Well, you certainly act like you hate it. Now, what's that supposed to mean? It means that from the moment I started doing this, you haven't had one nice thing to say. Oh, maybe I'm not big on pottery, so sue me. Well, you certainly seem fond of your stupid little fish cups. I've never seen anyone so attached to anything since Kevin had to give up his blankie. I don't want to talk about this. Well, maybe I do, Jack. It's not fair. You're making me feel like I'm doing something wrong. You're crazy. I'm not making you feel anything. Oh, sure. You've been a regular Mr. Sunshine. You know, Jack, the kids all say, that's nice, Mom. My friends say, that's nice, Norma. My teacher says, very good, Mrs. Arnold. And you say, where's the Pepsi? I really don't have time for this. I spend my time trying to make something nice for the family. 
Face is always going to be a sore spot for them because it'll bring up hurt feelings. Nowadays, a husband would never tell his wife not to speak to him in a specific tone of voice. She would match him shout for shout and insult for insult. But back then, wives were meant to basically be seen and not heard, much like the children, too. Later that night, while Kevin is in bed, he tells us how the silence in their house felt like ice and how Jack didn't come home until midnight. Yikes. Where do you think he was? A bar, maybe? Maybe a bar? Maybe he just drove around for hours on end to clear his head. Then we hear a door slam, so Jack must be home. I wonder if one of them slept on the couch. Because I cannot really imagine either of them wanting to sleep in the same bed after that whole fiasco. Uh, sorry, I had to pause it for a second. Like I said, I was losing uh, circulation in my foot, and it, like, fell asleep, and it was all tingly. So I had to, like, get up and, like, walk around to try to get feeling back into my foot. Um, the next morning, Norma comes into the kitchen with a basket of laundry getting ready to iron as the kids watch from the table. So they're all kind of waiting to see, okay, what's going to happen from the aftermath? Who's going to come in and... And break all the tension up finally and hopefully resolve everything. Because after yesterday, they're probably like, oh no, what, what's going to happen now? How is this going to end? Jack comes in and he and Norma look at each other, not saying a word, as Jack pulls a cup out of the cupboard. The kids are sitting there waiting to see who makes the first move to mend things. That's when Norma accidentally burns herself on the iron searing... Uh, and then heading over to the sink, basically uh, she kind of burned her hand when she put it down by the, the face of the iron. She heads to the sink to run her hand under the water, and then that's when she finally... Oh god, guys! <laughs> she finally releases all the pent-up sadness and anger that she's been holding in and sobs and breaks down at the kitchen sink. It's like she, she couldn't take it anymore. All of this tension, all of this silence between them. It's like... It was sad. You know, when I was watching this, tears were pouring out of my eyes as I was watching this scene. Because it was this... I can't... I honestly cannot tell you another time when there was a scene like this between them as far as with that whole blow up and then with this scene coming up i mean props to Allie mills and dan laria because they brought down the house with this powerhouse of a performance i seriously think they deserve oscars for these two scenes because they acted the hell out of them guys they really really did all right i'm trying to collect myself here <laughs> Eyes are welling up. Alright, she runs her hand under the water, and then that's when she finally releases all the pent-up sadness and anger that she's been holding in and sobs at the sink. Jack goes over to her, putting a hand on her shoulder to comfort her. 
And then she turns, and he takes her in his arms, wrapping her in his embrace. Tears are pouring out of my eyes as I watch this scene, because you can feel the hell they've been put through with each other, and now they're coming together finally, coming together. <laughs> Kevin tells us that even though it may sound strange, that was the first time he'd seen his parents alone together, like the whole world melted away and they were just Jack and Norma. Not mom and dad, or dad and mom. This is a really sweet scene because Jack asks if she burnt herself, and she nods. And then he kisses the burn on her hand, and then they kiss, and everything feels like the world and the Arnold household has been righted again. As the kids watch all this unfold from the kitchen table. Ugh. I know it sounds strange, but that was the first time I'd ever seen my parents alone together. Did you burn yourself? I guess sometimes the ground can shift beneath your feet. Sometimes your footing slips. You stumble. And sometimes you grab what's closest to you and hold on as tight as you can. We get another montage of Jack and Norma kissing on the swings, which kind of looks like the first montage. They're dressed the same and everything and in the same position. And then the kids are at the picnic table making kissy faces, and Kevin and Wayne are imitating Jack and Norma. Then we see Jack has each of the boys in a double headlock. It's really a funny and cute scene. Alright, that's the end of the episode. Time- whoopsie. Sorry. Time for my Flower Power episode rating. I'm giving it a 4 out of 5 Flower Power petals. One for Norma taking the pottery class. 
Two, for Norma making cool pottery, much to Jack's opinion. Three, for Norma finally telling Jack how she feels when he doesn't appreciate her pottery the way everyone else does. And four, for Norma and Jack reconciling after their fight when she burns her hand. I took one flower power petal off because Paul and his paranoia over fault lines got old fast and he wouldn't let it go. Who was the worst this episode? Well, I am giving it to Jack. I'm definitely giving it to Jack for the majority of the episode, just how he treated Norma. He made her feel so small and in insignificant with her in her pottery. It's like, yeah, she he was making her feel bad for having an interest outside of the house. What I got from the episode was... Husbands, tell your wives you like the stuff they create, even if you don't, and support them when they take on new endeavors. Yes, it's important to be honest, but a little white lie to spare someone's feelings never hurt anyone if it's in the best interest. Here's my quote from the episode. I know it sounds strange, but that was the first time I'd ever seen my parents alone together. I guess sometimes the ground can shift beneath your feet. Sometimes your footing slips. You stumble. And sometimes you grab what's closest to you and hold on as tight as you can. <clears throat> That's, I think, what the school stuff was about the fault lines and earthquakes and everything. It was kind of showing a comparison to what was going on in Kevin's household with Norma and Jack and their situation. Alright guys, let's give a shout out to some new Wonderling listeners. We have Tokyo, Japan, Muskegon, Michigan, Ashburn, Virginia, Concord, New Hampshire, Shawnee, Kansas, Sydney, Australia, Hanover, Pennsylvania, El Paso, Texas, Rockford, Illinois, Kansas City, Kansas, Cleveland, Ohio, Wentzville, Missouri, Kalamazoo, Michigan, Kansas City, Missouri, <laughs> So we have Kansas City, Kansas, and Kansas City, Missouri. Okay. Columbia, Missouri. <clears throat> and to all you other listeners out there, thanks again for listening. I want to give a sincere thank you to all the listeners out there, whether you listen to this podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud or any other listening platforms that you may use to hear this podcast. I love giving you the episode recaps of the Wonder Years every week. Joining me as I go into full detail as we reminisce of days gone by with Kevin and his friends, Paul and Winnie. And the rest of the Arnold family, as well as giving my occasional running commentary and childhood stories. To stay connected to the podcast, you can visit my many social media sites. The Facebook page, Looking Back on My Wonder Years and Wonder Years Podcast. Instagram. And Facebook are where I mainly do all of my trivia and listener questions. So if you guys want to become an honorary Wonderling of the Week, all you got to do is answer them, and I'll give you guys a shout-out on the podcast. We have LBOM Wonder Years Podcast on Instagram, Wonder Years Pod, which also from Instagram I also send over my trivia and listener questions. Also, if you enjoyed this podcast, go to iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And tell your friends if they are also Wonder Years fanatics. 
You can also access my uh, social media sites from the SoundCloud webpage. Join me next Friday, July 7th, for Season 2, Episode 8. Hiro Is it Hiroshima or Hiroshima? I think I've heard it pronounced two different ways. Mon Frere, which aired on February 15th, 1989. This is a Brothers-themed episode. Things heat up and tempers flare between Kevin and Wayne as their brotherly bond is tested when Wayne crosses the line. The harsh truth, bitter truth comes out as it rears its ugly head. Like shattered glass, it can't be undone. Wayne's bullying of Kevin has been getting pretty out of hand lately, but when he interferes in a big way with Kevin and Paul's science project, Wayne may have gone too far. That there is the IMDb episode description. All right, well, have a great Thursday and a great Friday, as well as a happy holiday weekend for, for the U.S. listeners. This is my note to you guys. Please, please be safe when celebrating our Independence Day this 4th of July. Please drink responsibly and play safe with the fireworks. Have a burger or a hot dog for me. And a happy weekend for the international listeners. I will see you all next Friday. Bye-bye. Thank you.